to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chickie Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889 Three six seven five. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern sense is common sense. Good afternoon, and welcome to another adventure here on Southern Sense. I'm your hostess with the least most is Annie, the radio chickadee, along with my co-host, the coolest, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. Hey, I, I go away for a week, and it uh, seems like the Middle East falls apart. What's going mm-hmm. on over there in Israel? I guess we have to oh, talk about that, that today. That's going to be all the conversation today that we're talking about. Um, we, we have uh, Charles Sam Battis with us, a former CIA operative. Uh, he has a storied and varied background. He was the first units to go into um, the Middle East when we went to war in 2003. Uh, he has his own magazine called And, A-N-D magazine, that you can find up on Substack. Uh, I've been posting some of his articles lately. Uh, he's going to be joining us. Then we're going to have our friend from the Epic Times, Mark Tapscott, and followed by our guest from the Heritage Foundation, Robert Greenway. And, boy, have we got a lot to cover and a lot to talk about. Man, oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, I want to welcome everyone. I would normally mention my homepage, Southern Sense. We just put a dash in the middle, but right now our homepage is down. I'm fully aware of it. It took about a week for them to move the uh, the domain name from GoDaddy over to uh, WordPress. So now I have to rebuild the whole page, and I will 
endeavor to do that this week and get it back up and running. So those that want to try to see us on our homepage, you're not going to be able to pull it up because it is actually down. But we will get it running as fast as we can. But anyway, if you want to listen to us, you know we're up on iHeart. We're also on Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook. That's up. Again, we have not gotten banned from Facebook yet. <laughs> but Thank goodness. Ryan's there also. Uh, so far, so far, so good. Knock on wood. But once they will ban us again, I've already had two strikes on the new page. <laughs> I have a total of what seven listeners on the new YouTube page. <laughs> so they'll do it to us again. I know. I'm just waiting for that to happen. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, we have, like I said, a lot to talk about, and I look forward to all of our listeners joining us. Hi to everyone that's over there listening on YouTube and uh, as well as Facebook and in our chat room here on Blog Talk Radio. Man, oh, man, what a day are we going to have today, that's for sure. Um, I will mention, please, everyone, be aware of your surroundings when you do go out and about today because there has been a worldwide jihad called. So you may be living in a very nice, quiet, little corner town, but still, be on your toes. If you see something, say something, please. Uh, We want everyone to go home at the end of the day healthy and happy. Uh, That is important to us. Uh, That said, I'm having problems with some of my screens here. I don't believe this. I hope we get this cleared up. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to have one heck of a video show going on. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, hopefully we'll get everything running properly again. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, already having problems, and we even have we have not yet started the show. Oh, good lord! All right. Well, we'll just hopefully we'll get things up and going again. Ah, oh, jeez. This can screw up a wet dream, can't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Technology. Uh, hopefully. Technology, yeah, anything, anything anything to mess us up. Anyway, anyone that's listening to us know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero, and hopefully I can get this to run properly. And today's dedication is going to be going out to police officer Jessica Ebenhausen of, Port, of uh, Rutland Police Department in Vermont, her end of watch was Friday, July 7th of this year. And this reads from the Officer Dan Memorial page. Police Officer Jessica Ebenhauser, only 19, was killed when her patrol car was struck head-on by a suspect vehicle being pursued by other officers at about 3 p.m. Officers responding to a burglary in progress on East Washington Street began pursuing the suspect, who was driving a pickup truck. Officer Ebenhausen, along with her training officer, was responding from the opposite direction as the pursuit entered the intersection of Stratton Road and Woodstock Avenue. The suspect vehicle crossed the center line and collided with Officer Ebenhausen's patrol car head-on. The truck then collided with the second patrol car. Ebenhausen succumbed to her injuries at the scene. Two other officers and the suspect were injured in the collision. The suspect was uh, taken into custody and charged with negligent operation of a motor vehicle and attempting to elude police, both with death resulting. 
Officer Ebenhausen was a part-time officer in field training in preparation for attending the Vermont Police Academy to become a full-time officer following the following month. She was survived by her parents, two brothers, maternal grandmother, and paternal grandparents and boyfriend. And this is from vtdigger.org. And they write, Rutland City Police Chief Brian Kilcullen said 19-year-old Jessica Ebenhausen was aware at a young age she wanted to be a career. She wanted the career in law enforcement. Jessica knew at nine years old she wanted to be a police officer, Kilcullen said, adding that even before she joined the force, she interned with the department's community response team to get a first-hand look of what the work entailed. I remember seeing her with the team, witnessing both the joy and seriousness she exuded, always with a smile on her face, seeking to learn from the team what public service looked uh, like up close, the police chief said of Ebenhausen. Kilcullen spoke that Tuesday morning at the funeral. She was killed on July 7th in Rutland when her cruiser was struck head-on on Woodstock Avenue in Rutland by a truck driven by an alleged burglary suspect as he tried to flee, according to police reports. The Tuesday service, held on the campus of Vermont State University's Castleton campus, drew a large crowd that included several hundred local, county, state, and federal first responders from, of course, New England and New York, wearing black ribbons over their badges. Elected officials, including Governor Phil Scott, also attended the service. Lutton Mayor Michael Dognes was among those who spoke, standing at the podium adorned with her call number, M966. Photos of her also graced the stage, along with several arrangements of flowers. Two Rutland City police cruisers were parked on each side of the platform. Dognes spoke of Ebenhausen's strong desire to serve her community. To find an individual with such passion and heart for law enforcement and public service in this difficult time in our current climate is unheard of, the mayor said. Rutland was blessed to have her, to have that passion as part of our city, as part of our community, he said, even for a short time. Andrew Ebenhausen Jessica's brother, told the crowd he had prepared a written statement, but he was too emotional to deliver it. I think all I really have the strength for is to say, Jessica, I love you, and you were my best friend, he said from the podium. Troy Ebenhausen, Jessica's uncle, spoke of her positivity as she took on tasks. She was endearing, good nature. Her sense of humor was unmatched. He added, if you were looking for the unfiltered truth, Jessica had the ability to be brutally honest, charming, adorable, and amazing all at the same time. She worked for the department for less than two months as a part-time Level 2 certified officer. She was scheduled to begin training next month to get her full certification. Police said Tate Ruhame, 20, of Salisbury, was fleeing police who were looking for him for allegedly harassing and breaking into the residence 
of a former partner in Rutland on that afternoon of July 7th. So today, we're calling M966, Police Officer Jessica Ebenhausen. You are now end of tour, and we'll take it from here. And I have to apologize for the video. It seems my computer is having some problems streaming. So for that, just bear with us while we play Tiffany, Soul of the Nation, in honor of Police Officer Jessica Ebenhausen.
Having video problems, I have to apologize, but uh, I think my computer is completely going into a complete meltdown. <laughs> it's so, possible. Uh, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Holy moly. Uh, anyway, we're waiting for our first guest to call in, um, Sam Faddis, so he should be calling in rather shortly in about, oh, in about 10 minutes. Um, but we have a lot to talk about. Holy cow. Um, right now, uh, last I saw, uh, Israel had given a warning to people in northern Gaza to uh, leave the area. That encompasses about 1.1 million Palestinians. Um, and they're telling them to get out of the area because they're getting ready to attack. Now, note the difference here. That they're warning, hey, listen, Hamas attacked us from the Gaza Strip as well as from the West Bank. We're going to retaliate. And when we do, we're going to be coming in. So if you're not part of the problem, get your butts out of there. Now, Hamas didn't do that. Hamas went in after innocent civilians. And we see the difference here. And yet, yesterday we saw nationwide, nationwide (laughs) protests supporting the Palestinians who went and massacred innocent individuals, civilians, murdering babies, beheading them. In one kibbutz, they found 40 babies beheaded. They found families burned alive. They found horrendous atrocities. Women brutally raped, beaten, and then dragged through the streets and killed. Soldiers, their naked bodies dragged through the streets. That's not a war. That's not war. That's a massacre. That's an invasion of barbarians. Nothing else to call it. Barbarianism. They seem to uh, Mm -hmm. love soft targets, as we call it in the military, because that's where they are most effective without, you know, fear of reprisal, immediate reprisal at that moment. But I don't think they 
they thought this all the way through because they should know Israel's not going to stand by and let that happen. <laughs> They're going to come after them. And so every exactly. one of them are dead. Exactly. Exactly. Now, um, If you watch the uh, protest from the Palestinian student group, and we're going to get into that with Sam Faddis, um, they were calling for death to Jews. They were calling for death here in the United States. And today, it's a worldwide jihad. And amongst all of this, God bless true Americans. In the city of New York, it's posted up on my um, Twitter account. So if you go to uh, up to Twitter, uh, you'll find Southern Sense. Instead of a dash in the middle, it's an underscore. Southern underscore Sense, S-E-N-S-E, Southern Sense. You'll find up on Twitter. And I also put it up on the Facebook page. There is a video that someone had posted up on Twitter, and I'm reposting it everywhere I can possibly find. 5,000 Catholics. Nuns, priests, they held a mass in Manhattan, walking through New York City with the Eucharist, celebrating the mass and celebrating it for Israel to give them support. You look at the Palestinian protests that were nasty, they were violent. One woman raising her fist up in the Hitler salute. I mean... Is she even aware that Hitler, who wanted to have only the master race survive on the planet Earth, was including to eradicate those who were black? And this was a black woman wearing a hijab? You know, they don't know their history. They don't. I mean, look at what's going on in the halls of Congress. We, we have members of Congress who sympathize with Hamas and um, show support. And showing their flag and things like that. How could that be in America? You know. I don't know. I really don't know. But uh, it, it it just amazed me that here in the United States, land of the free, that you would see these protests. And again, we're going to talk to Sam Faddis about it because there is a root to this. And I'm still trying to get the video to come back up, and I'm not having much sense, uh, much good. So I have to apologize to those that are trying to watch, but uh, I don't know what's going on. Unless my graphic card or something is going completely nuts, but uh, it's nothing's working properly. So again, I apologize for those that are trying to watch. And um, there's also someone posted a video um, up uh, showing the Iranian uh, legislature, and when they heard that the six billion dollars that President Biden unfroze on 9-11 of all days. You know, these dates have significance. And that's, again, what we're talking about. Um, on 9-11, he unfroze $6 billion in assets being held for Iran. And when he refroze it, he reached out to Qatar because the money got transferred to the banks in Qatar. He reached out and refroze the assets. They were chanting death to America. The entire legislature went down onto the floor and started screaming and raising their hands, screaming, death to America. And tell me that they're not behind Hamas. 
try to tell me that oh. Iran is not behind what happened with Hamas. Well, they are definitely. Oh. And, of course, the Biden administration uh, uh, deny it, you know, in every way, um, just like they do with the border. There's no border issue. Oh, okay, so why did y'all put up a wall? Oh, because it was allocated already, and we, we have to obey the law and, and, and put up those extra 20 miles. <laughs> you know, these guys, it's just so comical. You know, okay, so nearly after four years of being in the office, he decides he's going to follow the law because 20 miles was appropriated back in the Trump era. He had no designs of, of um, putting up the, those last 20 miles. In fact, he was taking down some of the wall that was already up. But that's just the way they do in um, D.C., Spin City. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I, think I've, I think I found what my problem is with the video. It's not reading the drive that's got all the pictures on it. Huh. It is not reading the drive. That is what seems to be my problem. I think my driveway just went bad. Well, these things do happen. Well, hopefully I can get this back up then, if that's what it is. Okay, and that seems to be what the problem is. And we'll see if this works. All right, well, hopefully this... We'll see if we can get this going. Okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Excuse me. But anyway, uh, yes, here we got. Houston, we have liftoff. Believe it or not, Curtis, we've got it back up. And that's what no, it was. Right. It, it, it not stopped reading the drive. Okay. So you, you so worked now, the problem. Good. I worked the problem out, but that means it took all the other <laughs> pictures and everything I put in there, and now it's all gone. <laughs> so I have to reload all all the all the photos and everything. Oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> all right. It looks like we're waiting for Sam to call us in, and people are going these these people. What are they talking about? Just what are they talking about? All right, here we go. So we're going to go try to get some of these things up here very, really, really quickly. And yes, okay, we got it. Houston, we have pushed <clears throat> off. All right. <laughs> All right. So, this is this is live, folks. You really can't make this yeah. stuff up. So, what do you think of um, the fact that um, even though they keep charging Trump? With things that they they pretty much make up or or um, exaggerate, the guy still leads. I mean, he leads he leads um, on the Republican side, and now I hear he's leading um, Biden, which I never thought he ever was behind, ever, even in the ele- last election. You know, but the way they have it now, he's about three or four points ahead of Biden. Joe Biden, 
And even well, so in Pennsylvania. Well, I'm not going to say anything until we see the election results in um, at that point. So when the election is, is over and the ballots are all honestly counted, count, counted then uh, I would say, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I read into it that um, Trump is not losing support. He's gaining support. And and I think it's because a lot of people are starting to realize that uh, what's going on is just a travesty of justice. It's a persecution. And um, and again, Americans, they, they tend to love the underdog anyway. And right now he's an underdog. You know, they're throwing everything they can at this guy. But, you know, he's he seems like, um, what, what was that guy up there in New York, the Teflon Don? <laughs> everything <laughs> they throw at him, Trump just brushes it off, you know, and says what he wants to say, gag order or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's amazing. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, Looks like it we is. got our guest. Okay, it is possible. All right. Um, I want to welcome onto the show. If, if you can unmute him while I try to finish this up here, Curtis, be kind of bring okay. Sam on. Okay. Uh, I appreciate that. And here we go. Just trying to get a couple of things set up for him. And if my computer just responds a little bit faster, we can do this. Come on. All right, you got him? Okay. All right. Welcome to the Insane Asylum over here today, Sam. Uh, Charles Sam Faddis. Good afternoon, and how are you? Um, Sam, you unmuted? I don't have any sound here. Curtis, you got sound? Curtis? I can hear you loud and clear. All right, do do you have him? I see him lit up. Let me double check. Yeah, I see him lit up, but um, all right, while well, we're trying to get the Curtis to get our guest back on, oh man, it's so much to talk about. Uh, if you can get Sam back on, Sam is a retired CIA operations officer. He's a published author, a national security commentator. He also is the uh, founder of AND Magazine, A-N-D Magazine, uh, that you can find up on Substack, and there's a link to it on the show page. And do we have him, Curtis? I got no response. I did a sound check and asked him to speak up or whoever was on the line and silence. I'm not sure Ah. what's going on. Okay. So let me see if I can get him a quick text uh, over here to let him know that we've got him. I can't hear him. We have no sound. Uh, Yeah, that is his phone number. And... uh, Sam, we have no sound. Sam, no sound. Hold back. And that's, we're trying that right now. As I'm typing it onto my phone right now, just telling him to call back because we've got no sound right now. So let's wait for him to call back in. Anyway, um, now I've got where we were talking about. We were talking about the day of outrage, and I was saying that there is a video that I did post up on Facebook, uh, I haven't gotten up onto YouTube yet. I will post it there later if I can. Um, he, he just said he could hear us, but he will call back again. So 
Curtis, keep an eye out for him. And this might be him. All right, Curtis is pulling the call in, and hopefully that's him calling back in. And, and hopefully we've got ourselves a deal here. Nope. Uh, okay. All right. Hopefully we have you, Sam. Have we got you back? Still have no sound from him. Sam, there's something wrong with your phone. You're not coming through. Oh, what a, what a bummer. This is a complete bummer. I cannot, I cannot get any sound whatsoever. But it looks like we may have one of our other guests calling in early, Mark Tapscott. And Sam, I don't know what's going on with your phone, your system. Um, if there's another phone you can use to try to call in, uh, try that. All right, so, all right, folks, this is, this is live radio. <laughs> this is live video. You never know what's going to happen. First, my drive goes bad, so I didn't have any video output to put up there. It was like people are looking at me going, what? I'm sorry, what's going on here? So obviously my drive started going bad. I'm going to have to get the whole system over to the computer repair and get that done. Um, meanwhile, we have Sam Fattis trying to call in, and he's having a problem with his phone. And it looks like Curtis has our other guest, Mark Tapscott, coming in on the phone, and hopefully we can bring him in. And Curtis dropped off. Mark dropped off. Curtis, yeah, what's going Mark, on out there? Mark said he was supposed to be at 3 o'clock. <laughs> yes, Sam, well, Sam was supposed to be a quarter after, and Sam called in late. But Mark, is Mark back? All right, we got Sam back. Holy cow. Now, Sam, hello. are you here with us? Ah, Sam, hello. Hallelujah. <laughs> hello. All right. we're, yeah, we, we're having one of those days today. You know, my computer started crapping out, and I lost all of my, my graphics and everything. So all the people who see is just my face and a blank screen behind me. Now we got you back on. We had no audio for you. We had no <laughs> – meanwhile, Mark Tapscott was calling at the same time. Uh, I, I – Who's on first? I feel like I'm in the middle of the an Abbott Costello <laughs> comedy routine. <laughs> I hear you. Anyway, yeah. Well, we're starting to talk about what's going on in Israel with Hamas and the attacks over there and yesterday's day of outrage, which was in itself an outrage. Uh, and today, I don't know if you caught, uh, someone had posted up on Twitter a video, uh, a Catholic's 5,000 of them marching in unison, celebrating masks down the streets of Manhattan in honor of Israel. And you take that, and it just brought tears to my eyes. And my yep. mom's Italian Roman Catholic, and I played the video for her, and she started crying. Um, you, you put that in contrast to the protests and whatever you want to call them uh, that we saw yesterday. And what really struck me, Binghamton, New York, and anyone that knows upstate New York in the Binghamton area, there is a heavy, heavy, heavy concentration of conservative Jews, Orthodox Jews, up in Binghamton area. On that campus, the vast majority of population would be Jewish people. And here they have the Palestinian protests through the university. I mean, we're not even – forget about Harvard and 34 – student organizations that condemned Israel because Hamas attacked Israel, but they condemned the, the victim and not the people that perpetrate the crime. Can we make any sense out of this at all, Sam? 
Well, I mean, <laughs> look, I I don't I don't know what to say. Hamas is pure evil, right? It's there's no there's no question here. I mean, these are folks who rape, pillage, burn, mutilate, torture, all in the name of of God, and says something very bad about what has happened with our educational system that you have people standing up and celebrating mass murder and abuse. Um, So, uh, you know, there's no moral equivalency here. This is is black and white, and it's really twisted to think that you have so many particularly American young people on college campuses who – want to celebrate these guys. I get a particular kick in, obviously I'm being sarcastic, about watching video of gay and transgender folks with banners saying their solidarity with Hamas. And I think, you know, these guys that you're celebrating would murder you on sight, throw you from a building, burn you alive. Um, and you're so lost in space that you don't understand that. Yeah, that that's, that 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 blows my mind. You know, if if you were gay in a, a conservative Orthodox Muslim nation or area, because you now have the no-go zones uh, that were that's been popping up for the last two decades, um, you would be killed. You you would not be alive. You would not be allowed to exist. You are, you are less than dirt underneath the heel of their shoe. And that I say that intentionally because it will be the heel of the shoe that will be stomping on you. And to an uh, Arab uh, Muslim, that is an ultimate insult to show the, the sole of your shoe. But heaven forbid, you know, yeah, you're going to stand in solidarity to someone that would rather see you dead. Brilliant. You know, yeah, well, it, it, you really let's, let's let's be clear. I mean, when you're talking about Hamas, Hezbollah, ISIS, Al Qaeda, I mean, some of these groups are Shia, some of them are Sunni, but they're not. All of these folks represent a particular, particularly virulent, and as far as I'm concerned, psycho version of Islam. I mean, they not only want to. Kill Christians and Jews, but if you're a Muslim who doesn't agree with their interpretation, you're actually worse than a Christian or a Jew because you betrayed your own your own faith. I mean, they will slaughter you, and and they will enjoy it. Um, it is horrible. It is evil. It's clear as day. Again, there's no moral equivalency here. There is no ambiguity, and that you have major U.S. institutions like Harvard pressing solidarity with mass murder and terrorism is really, really twisted. I mean, that ought to get everybody's attention and make you think, if you didn't already understand it, that, wow, higher education in our country has lost its way completely. It has. It has. It has to go back to the accreditation system. A matter of fact, National Review had an excellent article in August about that, explaining it. And also, when as I'm reading the article, 
all the bells are ringing in my head. So, uh-huh, now I understand. Because the people that control the accreditation in colleges, which is tied to federal funding, I have gone so far left that it, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. If you do not toe the line, you, you will lose your federal funding. Heaven forbid you even think conservative. You will lose your accreditation, which means you lose your funding. And then your college will go belly up if they have their way. And uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the woman. That, I believe it's Waylon, W-H-E-L-A-N, that holds the reins for the accreditation of our colleges here in the United States. And we've got to stop that. Go to colleges like Liberty University or Hillsdale that don't require federal funding, don't need their accreditation to raise funds. Um, we've got to take our education system back. And that's why we find the Muslim Brotherhood and other nefarious agents against the United States buried in our higher education institutions. They're not even educating anymore. They're indoctrinating. They're not educating. You got an excellent article you put out up on your page, your uh, magazine and magazine that people go to Substack and read called The Day of Rage, talking about what happened yesterday. And what is happening today? We have a worldwide jihad being called out. And these dates have significance. Yeah, and what people understand is, I mean, they need to understand many things, but this is not a one-off deal. I mean, these people, you have very large organizations, including organizations inside the United States, that – you know they're calling for jihad, and in and and explicitly in this sense, that means violence. I mean, you know, to groups like Hamas, they they they're not looking for coexistence, right? They're not looking. This is not a hey, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. We'll all live in peace kind of thing. That is that's a hundred percent wrong. I, you know that I'm sorry if you, if you don't understand that, well, then you don't understand anything about what's going on. These guys think in apocalyptic terms. This is a religious war to them, and um, it and this we're at this is their version of Armageddon, the apocalypse. It's the end of days, um, and it only ends one way. Either you will. Submit not not just to Islam, but submit to their version of Islam, mm-hmm. or you will be eliminated. That's that's it. That's what you're talking about. So, not just talking about protests and day of rage. I mean, you can justify anything, and I don't want to get lost in gory details of stuff that I have experienced in my career. But suffice it to say, when I say they can justify anything, I mean literally. Anything, things that the normal human being could never even imagine they will do. And it's all somehow not just okay, but glorified. So, I mean, you know, if you're sitting around thinking you're, these are the good guys and the freedom fighters and you're going to help them out, I'm sorry, but you're going to discover way too late that you have sided with a bunch of monsters, man. I mean, if you really feel sorry for the Palestinians, let's start with this. There's 2 million people stuck in Gaza, which is maybe 25 miles end-to-end, the long way, and maybe five miles wide. Mm-hmm. Gaza is run by Hamas. Hamas is mm-hmm. 
ultraviolet terrorist group. That's not just that Hamas exists there. Hamas is the government there. So exactly. all of those two million people are stuck being ruled by a bunch of psychopaths. And there's probably a whole bunch of those people there who would really rather not be ruled by psychopaths and would really like to not have a terrorist group in charge. But instead of trying to do something about that, we're now glorifying Hamas. I mean, the, the big symbol now that everybody's splashing around for these rallies that are happening is a, is a logo with a picture of a Palestinian paraglider, you know, gliding in like and and that image is a direct reference to the guys that glided in at the beginning of this this most recent attack to the music festival where they just they there were a bunch of young people dancing and basically having a peace rally a peace love and brotherhood rally who got killed by a bunch of guys with AK47s that just began to murder them and slaughter them after they had glided in so think about that. That's your logo for your rally is glorifying mass murderers who shot down young people dancing. That that's that's what you think is cool now. Well, now I'm going your counterintelligence. You did uh, clandestine work, so you know something like this does not spontaneously or and organically just happen. This took a lot of planning a lot of time because the attacks were on multiple fronts by land by crossing the border uh, by air Um, and it came in certain waves and it came in in not just one specific location it came in multiple fronts so this took a long time I'm hearing it took as much as two years and it needed money to back it now supposedly uh Trump made sure that all funds going to Iran, who is behind Hamas and Hezbollah, they are the ones that control Hamas and Hezbollah. And anyone tries to say otherwise, <laughs> I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Um, so you know American tax dollars went into Iran illegally under this current administration. And I think I counted something to the effect of I, I'm the – Conservative side, $1.2 billion in cash. And I'm showing, I did a rough estimate last night, $500 million for programming and support. Uh, $250 million, quote, for peace. Um, $90 million through the UN. $316 million to the Palestinian terrorists for 4G telephones. Um, the funding... They get $5.5 million per year, and he's been in office for three years, which makes it $16.5 million. And he was getting ready to release, or had released, $6 billion more, but now that's refrozen, out of all days on 9-11. Now tell us that we're not funding Hamas with our own tax dollars. And oh, by the way, there is... a law that was passed after the murder of an American hero, Taylor Force, the Taylor Force Act, that forbids the executive branch to release funds to known terrorists. So also now Ronnie Jackson has a lawsuit through, um, I forget the name of the group that's doing it. He filed it in Texas. Uh, 
against Biden for funneling this money to Iran using the taxpayers and through back doors. So creepy Uncle Joe, who claims he's here to defend the United States, has actually been helping to dismantle our allies and ourselves. Yeah, and and on top of everything you just listed, we have very deliberately um, not enforced a whole raft of sanctions. So we've allowed the Iranians to make all kinds of money in all sorts of ways, selling oil, et cetera that they shouldn't that, that they they shouldn't be able to i mean i i think it's like a lot of things here people need to understand my opinion obviously what you see with the biden administration is not incompetence i mean you may see a significant measure of that as well but if you were just looking at a grotesquely the the most incompetent regime in american history that would actually be good news, in my opinion, because the true story is much worse. I mean, the Biden administration is playing for the other team in a whole variety of ways. So, as you said, Hamas is a creature of Iran. The Biden administration wanted to pretend in the aftermath of this attack they weren't sure whether the Iranians are involved. Please give me a break. The Iranians own Hamas. They train Hamas. They fund Hamas. They equip Hamas. It, Hamas and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps lashed up at the hip. Okay, so just just stop. I mean, if Hamas is attacking Israel, it, the Iranians are up to their eyeballs and have been since the beginning. Okay, well, I mean, Joe just gave the Iranians $6 billion. As you say, they're now claiming they refroze it. We'll see. But also, I mean, at an almost infinite number of points of contact, you can see that the Biden administration is actually sympathetic to and supportive of the Islamic Republic of Iran, the, the Ayatollahs. Uh, there's been a massive democratic movement, protests in the street, people fighting the regime for several years now, uh, including women who have the crazy idea that they should be able to walk around in public uh, and show their hair, not wear a headscarf, and not be arrested for it. Our administration has no interest in supporting that democratic movement. Uh, they have a big interest, apparently, in continuing to send money to the to the Ayatollahs. The guy that Joe put in charge made his special envoy to Iran, Bob Malley, been running around the planet for years now. Nobody, never quite explaining what he's doing, but carrying on contacts with the Iranians at senior levels all the time. Okay, well, Mali is a known supporter of Hamas. He's Mm -hmm. said all sorts of laudatory things in the past. He was on Obama's campaign, and it became such a big issue that they removed him from the campaign because he was meeting with Hamas. Now, actually, the real story is they technically removed him from the campaign, but he continued back channel on behalf of Obama to talk to Hamas. But anyway, so this is a guy... The man you put in charge of your contact with Iran is a known Hamas supporter, and he just had his security clearance suspended, what, six months ago now, because Mm -hmm. this department says he's mishandling classified information. So apparently, as far as I understand, Mali, our senior guy for our point of contact with Iran, has been passing classified American intelligence 
to the Iranians. And he's only one of several folks. So, again, it's like, okay, it's not just Joe's doing a terrible job of managing this. Joe is pursuit and company, obviously, it's not, it's not just the dementia guy, but they, they are pursuing a very calculated policy, which is pro-Iran, pro-Hamas, pro-Hezbollah. Our government is on the wrong side of this. Like, we're, we're actually helping the guys that went across the border and killed, I don't know, what's the current figure, 1,200 Israelis, something like that. That's, I'm counting. That's, that's thick reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can something so massive like this go under the radar? It can't. And as I understand, Egypt had warned Israel uh, that something was going on, but it never made it up the food chain. Um, like I said, well, you look, don't plan something like this for two years and not know about it. Yeah, well, look, I mean, having had a lot of experience with the Israelis and in this particular area, as I said before, Gaza is all of five miles wide and 25 miles long. Two million people packed in. It's a giant permanent refugee camp. It shares, obviously, a border with Egypt and a very lengthy border with Israel, and basically it's walled in between the two countries. Okay, so Shin Bet, which is the Iraqi, the Israeli internal service, has the charter for collecting intelligence in Gaza and on the West Bank. In my experience, you can't sneeze in Gaza without Shin Bet knowing about it. Every mm-hmm. other guy on the street is a source for Shin Bet. They have the place wired every possible way. I mean, look, it's right next door. You can go meet a source in the, in the Gaza Strip and be back home for dinner, right? This is not like you've got to jump into the Hindu Kush to collect intel. But it is really own it. You can't move. Now, you're talking about exactly what you said. A huge operation, thousands and thousands of rockets, all the logistics, all the money, all the training, all the prep, all the rehearsals. Inconceivable. I've heard the thing about the the Egyptians telling the Israelis something was coming. I'm I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just saying it is inconceivable to me that the Israelis did not have their own intelligence. I have absolutely no mm-hmm. idea how many sources they have in Gaza. It's got to be hundreds of guys on the payroll, if not thousands of Palestinians that report to them. And you, there's no way now. So I don't have an explanation for that at this point in time. Um, I, I know that there have been significant so-called intelligence failures in the past involving the United States where the reality is, the intel services were telling people things that politicians didn't want to hear, and therefore the politicians didn't act on that. And then afterward it becomes convenient to say the intel guys blew it because otherwise you have to take responsibility as a politician. That's a theory. I don't know that. What I, say, what I know is there's no way on earth this thing took place and really – Israeli intel did not tell anybody that that something was coming. Now, why somebody didn't do anything, why they chose not to act, now we're into the realm of speculation. But there's just there's just no way. I mean, I know in my experience, Shin Bet will put a missile into a car carrying terrorists in Gaza. In other words, they'll 
have a helicopter gunship fire a, a missile and blow up a car filled with terrorists. They'll know the names of every guy in that car. They'll know the names of his his kids, his grandfather, his his cousins. They'll probably have his bank account numbers. They, I mean, they will literally know everything and precisely where they left and precisely where they're going and the make of the car, and they probably got a copy of the title. I mean, so come on. You didn't, you didn't prep an invasion of Israel for their noses, and nobody saw it. No. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what threw me, I don't know if you saw Blinken's press conference from Qatar just prior to the show going on, and I had to stare at the screen and look at this man and say, I can't believe what just came out of his mouth. He said that the administration is working with the Palestinian authorities to get things under control. Well, who the heck do you think the Palestinian Authority is? I'm yeah, well, sorry. The, the Palestinian, Did the, I the miss that page or, in the book? Yeah, well, I mean, there would be another group of guys, the Palestinian Authority and the West Bank, that there's no way on earth they did not know this was coming, whether they – specifically assisted, you know, that remains to be seen, but they also have Gaza wired. I mean, look, I, I, my, this is an area and, a, and an issue. I mean, the reality is you got guys running around in Gaza who are taking money from the Israelis to talk to them, talking money from the, taking money from the Egyptians to talk to them, probably taking money from three other intelligence services to talk to them. You know, that this is not – everybody's talking about everything and everybody's collecting it, and, and there's just no way. I mean, you wanted to tell me a guy decided to stage a lone actor suicide attack and nobody saw it come. Okay, maybe that's believable. You didn't, you didn't prepare an invasion of Israel under their noses without people knowing that it was coming. Again, why did, therefore, why were the Israelis unprepared? I don't know at this point is all I can say. But I, what I do know is that don't even try to tell me that there were no indicators that this was, was coming. That's absurd. Yeah. Now, I have to say, God bless our, our law enforcement here in the United States, because I understand department from department across the nation has gone into high alert, and I know my NYPD. And I was watching Newsmax last night, and there goes a mobilization alert running across the bottom of the banner, you know, saying, you know, calling all officers back into New York City. It doesn't matter if you're on vacation or your day off. You are mobilized. You're heading on in, and you're suiting up and getting ready to hit the streets. Uh, i got to give hand these men and women out there a great – uh, uh, respect, because I know what it's like, because I was there when it erupted in Brooklyn on Eastern Parkway uh, back in the late 80s, and I'm sure you remember that incident there. Uh, we had the bridges closed at one point. Um, yeah, so I know what that goes into mobilization. But Sam, there's, there's so much more to talk about, and uh, Curtis is calling into our heritage guest who's coming up next. Um, okay. There's so much intelligence that goes on in going into delving into this and what this administration has done 
to facilitate this attack, because I talked about just the dollars that were released that came through taxpayers, but they also released sanctions that allowed them access to other assets, such as a massive uh, gas uh, refinery. Uh, I think it's the world's largest there in the Gulf. Um, and other things, uh, exports that were now allowed to go out for precious metals and other things that allowed them to fund this whole thing through Iran. And all of a sudden, everyone's kind of like a little mum about this. But someone else made a point uh, they had posted up on the social networks that now we've got Israel with this going 24-7 on the news, but we're not talking about Hunter Biden. We're not talking about the impeachment of creepy Uncle Joe. We're not talking about the economy. We're not talking about a whole lot of other issues that were on the front burner. Everything's shoved aside. And now we have a house in turmoil with no speaker. So what's going on, Sam? Where do we stand? What should we be paying attention to now? Yeah, well, I mean, to what extent any any of this is is deliberate in the sense of deliberately shoving certain things out of the news cycle, I don't know. I, I guess what I would say would be this. Um, the, obviously, the, the the certain I mean, the the folks that support Joe Biden have wanted to just. I mean, they have fed us a completely alternate form of reality, covered up giant stories like Hunter Biden's laptop and Biden's taking millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party. They have fed us complete lies, you know, about Russian collusion with with Trump and so forth. And you've got the media and lots of big tech interests involved here. And and they've just tried really hard to to bury the magnitude of the problems of, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about Joe and his collusion as far as I'm concerned with the Iranian Atollas. We could talk about China. We could talk, but it's kind of like the, the bill is coming due here. Like you can, you could, that's fine. You can refuse to cover stories and you can make up fake stories, but out in the real world, consequences of the Biden administration's policies are still, I mean, it's still happening, right? You, you, try to prevent the American people from knowing about it. But the fact that you've been handing zillions of dollars to the Iranians and letting them get away with murder turns out, you know, eventually causes real world consequences you can't ignore. And unfortunately, I think that we're at that point with everything else. I mean, if tomorrow the Chinese blockade, if they blockade Taiwan tomorrow, I won't be surprised. All right, now why am I getting my own voice back? I have a computer, crazy computer. Hang on a second. I have a funny feeling. Nope, that didn't work. Sam, I'm having a day through hell. I see. Am I still here? Can you hear me? I hear you, but I'm getting myself back in my headset. Oh, geez, that's annoying. It's annoying. But I do believe we also have Robert Greenway with us. Are you hearing two voices from me or just one? I just hear one, Annie. No reason. I'm just going to have to bear with it. 
<laughs> I'm going to need a scotch when I'm done with this one, that's for sure. <laughs> right, do we have Robert Greenway with us? Yes, we do. Yes, ma'am. All right. I apologize for all the technical difficulties, but I've got a computer from hell today. <laughs> no problem. All right. We've got Sam Faddis, a former CIA uh, operative, also counterterrorism, and I should say also the assistant attorney general for the state of Washington and publisher of Ann Magazine with us also. So introduce Robert Greenway from Heritage Foundation. Oh, God, I, I, I can't take this. <laughs> Hearing my own voice, I hate my voice. Oh, man. Now, we were talking about what's going on with Israel and Hamas, and you had some excellent articles and stuff up on the Daily Signals through the Heritage Foundation. And one of the things I picked up was for the day of uh, protest yesterday, um, and why is this all happening at this time? Uh, what is your take on why it occurred on Saturday, where it coincided with certain, uh, Jewish holidays? And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the question as I'm listening to my own voice. It's driving me crazy. And what, what's your input on this? I apologize for sounding like I'm nuts. No problem. So uh, the timing was, was not accidental. It was one day after the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War from 1973, and it took place on a, a high holy day for the Jewish people, Simchat Torah, which is when they complete the annual cycle of reading through what for Christians would be the Old Testament, but for the Torah, and then begin again. And so it was not accidental that they found the intersection between these two events, as terrorists uh, are often wont to do. And as a result, as we all know, they caught Israel and the United States by surprise in so doing. That, that is true. Um, they have also called for that day of resistance yesterday. And then today was supposed to be the initiation of a worldwide jihad. There was a reason why they did that yesterday and today also, right? Well, that's right. So Hamas, the organization that conducted the abomination uh, against the Israeli people and also against the United States and several other countries whose uh, citizens were killed and are held hostage now, called officially as an organization for a day for the Muslim community across the world and the region to join the resistance movement and demonstrations um, and protests and also a very thinly veiled call to violence. Uh, and to join the, the movement as they, in their view, defend the mosque at Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem, which is not under threat. And they called for it on their holy day on Friday, and it is not unusual for uh, Friday sermons in mosques and madrasas across many parts of the Muslim world, unfortunately, uh, to incite violence, and many followers, unfortunately, will then pour out onto the streets and join that call to resistance. Well, there's um, an ex excellent article that's up on Heritage where you did an interview with Mark Aganey, um explaining who's funding Hamas, and I was talking to Sam about that. Um, and as I said, Sam's got a, a background somewhat similar to you with, the, with knowing what's going on in the Middle East and Asia. And 
this administration has basically violated the Tariff Taylor Force Act uh, that should have prevented funding from going to terrorists, but we've actually funded this attack. Uh, that is correct. Unfortunately, we have. The Biden administration from day one in 2021 made a conscious policy choice to reverse the policies we enacted during the Trump administration. We directly funded Hamas and Palestinian Authority directly and indirectly uh, through aid programs, uh, including those run by the United Nations. And they internally debated, and we now know because the records were made public, that they knew that there was a, a terrorism risk. And that's within the State Department. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that if, you, if we were able to see the deliberations in the intelligence community, because I know what they would have said, it would have been far more explicit. But more to the point, Hamas is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Islamic Republic of Iran. They are one of many franchises, one of many terrorist groups that they fund, train, equip, and establish, and command and control. And uh, in my mind, there's no question but that they had explicit direction to conduct these attacks. And we have been funding, the U.S. and the Biden administration has been funding the government in Tehran to the tune of about $80 billion since 2021, most of which is through uh, non-interference, non-enforcement of oil export sanctions, chiefly to China. But that's not the only source of funding. We've also approved the sale of electricity to Iraq, which Iraq doesn't need. Um, and we, uh, this administration allowed them to pay for that in cash. That's about $10 billion uh, on top of it. And then we have the $6 billion ransom payment, which is now notoriously sitting in Qatar. Well, we have been funding our own demise of our, of our allies, but at the same time, we're leaving ourselves wide open for attack from within. As a matter of fact, Sam Faddis had a great article up on his Substack subject page for and magazine questioning how we are destroying ourselves with a porous border and it's something that you also spoke about how we have our own enemies now coursing into our country and walking around freely and we have no idea where they are or when they will it's not a matter of if it'd be a matter of when they attack have we just put ourselves at, at great risk with this Biden administration uh, policy of open borders and not checking visas? We're even finding them coming in legal points of entry and being allowed to enter the country. There, there can be no doubt. We are now letting in some 200,000 illegal immigrants a month for the second month in a row. Uh, we have uh, seen since 2021 some 600 Iranian special interest aliens uh, enter the country that we're aware of, that were actually detained. This year, over 150 individuals on the terrorist watch list have been detained, which is a record high by, by, <laughs> by quite a significant margin. And make no mistake, Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas and a number of other terrorist organizations already had operational presence in the United States and pre-existing relationships with Mexican drug cartels. And so uh, there is no doubt that they are exploiting the open border to increase their operational capability in the United States so that it could be used whenever they want. And the protests and demonstrations in support of the abomination uh, of the attack that took place this weekend 
in college campuses and cities across the United States and in, even in Europe is a message to us that they are here, that they have the, the capability and the intent to do it. And that they do. And I was watching the protest up in Binghamton, New York, and being a former New Yorker, I know that that area has a lot of ultra-Orthodox and conservative Jewish communities there. And the college campus has a large population of Jewish people, uh, students there. And to have that protest on that campus, that was for a reason. That was specifically for a reason. It sent a loud message, was it not? Absolutely it was. Um, And unfortunately, college campuses are fertile ground for this type of ideology. And I think we're just now starting to realize what many, I think, that were tracking this closely were fully aware of. Now, the question is, what do we do about it? Uh, States like Florida are already starting to consider their options at Heritage. We're supporting efforts to uh, identify these individuals and to potentially consider revoking their visas. If they're here on an education visa and they're advocating for an organization that killed innocent men, women, children, uh, babies, uh, then they have no business being here. Uh, that's not the type of person we want on our college campuses. And so hopefully we'll be able to do something about it before we have violence, additional violence spread to our shores. I, I hope so. Uh, but one of our problems is the accreditation of these colleges uh, where it's allowed a progressive communistic take. They no longer educate our, sister, our kids in the classical education it's now a political indoctrination. And heaven forbid you say boo against anything that they're promoting, whatever the new woke flavor of the moment is. So what we have to do is take the accreditation policy away from colleges, bring back the more uh, capitalistic competition between colleges, take the federal dollars out of colleges so we can reclaim our education system so something like this won't happen on college campus. Is that not the right way to do this? It absolutely is. And, and I think, too, a lot of these uh, states, um, a lot of state institutions, a lot of them receive federal and state funds, significant amounts, which is why tuition is now skyrocketed. So we're paying more. We're getting uh, less and getting a very dangerous product. And I would add, too, that the Marxism and the ideology that infuses so many different social movements can also be found in the Muslim Brotherhood, which is the source of Hamas and many of its affiliated organizations. And, and it's no coincidence that they all find common cause inevitably. And I think the sooner we wake up to that reality and do something about it, the better. Yeah. Now, um, listening to Blinken in his press conferences yesterday and today, I saw signaling come from him basically telling Israel, don't overreact on your response to them at one point yesterday the signaling that to be uh, measured in their response. And then today, when he was doing his uh, press conference in Qatar, he was saying they were working alongside the Palestinian Authority to regain control, but it was the Palestinian Authority that allowed this to happen. Well, not only that, I think, you know, it seems lost in this, but 27 Americans were brutally, innocently, innocent civilians were, in it, were brutally murdered. 14 are held hostage. Where is the indignation? Where is, where is the United States acting on this? I don't think we want to outsource everything to Israel in this case, nor do I think we, we, we should. And so I think in the end, there's an expectation that there's some anger 
and there's a U.S. response to all of this, if not in Gaza against Hamas, then against the source of all this in Iran. And minimally, we ought to stop paying for them and underwriting the financial enterprise that funds all of this. But you're, you're absolutely right um, that at the end of the day, uh, Blinken's calls to constrain Israel's activity is, one, going to fall on deaf ears as it should, but also they've not even begun to initiate operations. I don't think we would have, we would have taken counsel after 9-11 to exercise restraint. I don't expect Israel will, and I don't think Israel can under the circumstances. And no, the Palestinian Authority has not been in control of Gaza since Israel gave it up in 2005. The elections ever since have resoundingly favored Hamas, which makes you wonder about uh, the disposition of the population in Gaza. Yeah. Now, um, as I was through my research, I came across something that was rather unusual. And Iran has a close association with China. And now we have the largest uh, investment fund that is now investing heavily uh, the majority of their investment now in Chinese military companies. And I found that odd that they're doing that at this moment, where you have an unholy marriage between Iran and China, and now American investment dollars, your pension money is being invested with our enemies. And I'm finding that it's happening, and I don't believe in coincidences. No, you're right not to. Look, the, the, our Congress has been very reluctant. Uh, states have been more successful at restricting investments in Chinese uh, enterprises, all run by the state and particularly the military ones. But there's been, especially among Democrats in Congress, there's been a huge reluctance to do this. Uh, and in fact, on, on this subject, you know, the person they nominated to take, uh, the, take over as a U.S. ambassador to Israel ran the U.S.-China Trade Relations uh, Organization. Uh, which just shows you how cozy uh, that he was with the Chinese. And China uh, imports 43% of its oil from the Middle East and needs that oil for its military, but also for its economy. And Iran has been the bargain basement source of oil for quite some time, and it is their biggest customer. They buy a lot of other oil and gas, of course, um, but Iran is a particularly beneficial customer. And you have to wonder what else is Iran getting because the military cooperation between the two countries is also close. And, all, and, I, and I should think that that's something we would definitely not want to see. Well, my other question is, is how much of our military equipment that we left behind in Afghanistan was able to make its way across the border into Iran? So among the $83 billion of equipment and infrastructure that we left behind in the hands of the Taliban that we took control back from after 9-11, we know that some of the small arms uh, weapons were found in possession of Hamas. This was reported by Israeli security forces in June of this year. I have seen but not received independent confirmation, but I've seen reports that some weapons used in the attack on Saturday were, in fact, from the Afghan battlefield. Um, and I, it would not surprise me because of the volume and the nature of the global arms market. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that made that connection. But we're down to our last 10 minutes, and Sam has been sitting back there very quietly. Uh, you want to interject something here, Sam? Uh, yeah, I'll say this. I agree with everything that's been said in the last 20 minutes. I I I have talked um, 
on the last issue that you brought up on on arms, um, which of course is unconscionable. I mean, we 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 were talking earlier about the Biden administration and the deliberate policy that's pursued. You can make a case that somehow or another we were hurriedly ejected from Afghanistan and didn't see it coming. There's that would raise about a million other questions, but let's just assume that was true. We have made a conscious decision every moment since we left Afghanistan to allow the Taliban to retain those weapons because obviously they're stockpiled at locations where we left them. We know where we are. We could have destroyed them with impunity at any point. And they began to move in a whole variety of directions, including to the Iranians, almost immediately. I mean, the Iranians had people in Iran very, very quickly looking at the gear and deciding what they wanted. So we've seen this in Pakistan. The Pakistani Taliban now has high-speed U.S. night vision equipment and U.S. weapons. And, uh, you know, this stuff has gone everywhere. So, yes, of course, Hamas has it, Hezbollah has it, Iran has sent it everywhere. And uh, that's that tells you that you now have dead Americans in Israel who some of them were probably killed with weapons that we paid for an American taxpayer sent to Afghanistan. It is a shame. And it lies directly at the feet of this this administration. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, as I was saying earlier, if you, if you can somehow, look at everything that has transpired since Biden sat down the Oval Office and conclude that all you are looking at is the most incompetent regime uh, presidency in American history. If you can do that, well, you're doing better than I can because I don't think that's possible. You couldn't, you couldn't magically just make at every juncture a decision that is to the detriment the United States by virtue of being incompetent. I mean, we this is this is deliberate. We have folks in positions of power who are playing for the other team, as we've talked about. Both of us just look at everything we've done with the Iranians. Look at the people like Bob Malley that we've put in positions of responsibility to deal with them. We we have folks in positions of power who think Hamas is a a bunch of pretty cool guys and that the Ayatollahs are just fine and don't, and that's, that's the reality. And now we're paying the bill for that. Yeah. We're paying our bills because we have uh, people that are more concerned about power in their own pocket than protecting the people of these United States. All right. Um, Robert, oh. uh, <laughs> We're getting ready to close up, so I'll give you the next minute for a closing statement. Sure, and appreciate it. And, and I would I would only echo uh, Sam's comments completely. Um, look, we're at a time of choosing. The, the next couple of days and weeks are going to be critical in this. The goal here is to prevent escalation, to, to manage the conflict, to allow Israel to focus on, on Hamas and Gaza, and our role is to reverse our policy course, confront the source of this problem in Iran, starve them of the resources necessary to threaten us, 
um, and prevent a regional escalation that would have ramifications that would make the conflict in Ukraine look relatively minor. All the while, I think there is, again, this great risk that Iran gets now uh, closer and closer to a nuclear weapon, which would put them in de facto control of 20% of the world's trade and the world's global energy markets, and we can't afford either. So we've got to hold the administration accountable. They've made horrible decisions, all of which have to be reversed. They won't do it if there isn't public pressure. And uh, hopefully this has been the, the triggering event which will cause them to do that. I have my doubts, um, but that's what's required. I appreciate uh, you having me on today. I wish we had more time with you. Uh, and I'm glad that Sam was able to hang out with us and stay a little bit longer. We lost Mark Tapscott, so I don't know what happened to him, but there's always something going on, so the Epic Times needs him more than I do. <laughs> but I want to thank both of you, Robert and Charles, for uh, staying with us. It's been a blast. And I hope people learn something from today and they speak to their elected officials to help us regain our national security and uh, confidence once again in America. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. And people can find Robert uh, Greenway over at Heritage.org. And Sam has And Magazine, A-N-D Magazine, which you can find over at Substack.com. Thank you, gentlemen. It has been a blast. And welcome you back anytime. Thank you. And take care. Okay. All right. Thank you, Sam. And thank you for having being a good sport with us. All right, Curtis, that's all we have for today, and we will be back next week with another show, and hopefully I'll have these technical difficulties finally ironed out. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> so I'll say uh, good night until next time. Yeah, Mark said he'll show up next week. Oh, okay, good. He, he has some all contractors right. working at his house, so he was afraid the noise would interfere. <laughs> All right. So we give him a break. So I want to thank everyone for listening. And I say good night and God bless as I leave you with my friend Gary Pecorella on Save America.
Because